The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. I'm Matt Warden, editor-in-chief at buffalorumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. The show you're listening to right now. As always, please get your Bills questions in by calling up our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumlings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us an email, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. Facebook messages and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account will also get to me. And uh, just send in your questions as the Bills are closing in on yet another playoff berth, the third in four years for Sean McDermott. And this one feels different. Um, Everything feels different, really, after the Buffalo Bills' big win on Sunday Night Football. They keep being presented with new challenges, with different things, and they keep answering the bell. And uh, this time it was a poor start by Josh Allen and the Bills' offense as a whole. And then they came out and did what they needed to do, made the adjustments in the second half to to really finish. And um, it was it was nice to see the Bills being able to do that. So uh, before I keep going, uh, I just wanted to make sure that we reset. This is the takeaways that I had right after the game uh, on Sunday night. So if there's been perspective added to this since then, you can always check buffalorumblings.com for that perspective. Um, and, and of course, we learn things after the game that I don't know right after the game when I put down my takeaways. We hear stuff in the um, post-game press conference and, and Sean McDermott's Monday press conference. And so I'll sprinkle a little bit of that in here during the podcast. But that in offensive that sorry that in-game offensive turnaround we talked about is something we hadn't seen to this point if the bills started slow they usually ended slow or they ended hurried or rushed or crazy and this time instead of doing that they buckled down they adjusted their blocking scheme they added a couple run plays that were designed to take advantage of the Steelers blitzes from the nickel cornerback position and they adjusted their blocking scheme to take advantage of the guys they had on the inside being able to work against Cam Hayward, who was causing so much trouble in the first half. And they just really did a nice, nice job of those halftime adjustments. They started feeding Stefan Diggs, I think, a little bit too late. They probably should have done it in the second quarter. 
um, as I was tweeting (laughs) during the game, but they were able to find Stefan Diggs and really start feeding him. And the guy was just able to make things work and make magic. And part of that does start up front. When they made those offensive line adjustments, Josh Allen doesn't have guys in his face all the time, and they can look for those longer developing routes um, with Stefan Diggs on the second level. And so it was a really nice in-game adjustments that we saw from the Buffalo Bills, and I'm here for it. I love it. Um, it's we, we often talk about the third quarter woes and how the Bills come out in the third quarter flat, and it was the exact opposite this week, so you have to give them credit for that. Um, Daryl Williams was a big, big, big part of that, and really the whole game. Uh, he was called early for a false start because he was trying to jump the, um, the snap count. Uh, he was called late for a holding call where T.J. Watt would have sacked Josh Allen. But for the vast majority of the night, they left Daryl Williams one-on-one with T.J. Watt and were really able to successfully, I mean, not contain him, but limit his effectiveness. And we saw a few weeks ago against um, Nick Bosa out in Los Angeles and the Chargers, how disruptive a guy like that can be. And they didn't let T.J. Watt get that way. The guy came in leading the NFL in sacks with 12, and he got close a couple times but didn't bring down Josh Allen. And it was largely because of Daryl Williams. And so I'm like, this is a full-on Daryl Williams appreciation post. Um, I want them to bring the guy back, but he may have priced himself out of Buffalo with that primetime performance against a top-notch pass rusher in T.J. Watt. Uh, The defense is rounding into form at the right time. We've seen them with some timely takeaways now for the last several weeks. We've seen them being able to limit really good opposing offenses. Not that the Steelers have been a really good offense recently, but they've been efficient, and the Bills were able to take advantage of the weaknesses of the Steelers. You saw them playing press coverage. You saw them playing up on the line of scrimmage because the Steelers love to throw those quick passes, and that's how um, Taron Johnson was able to get his pick six. They were just able to jump those underneath routes very, very effectively uh, against the Steelers. And really the whole defense as a whole, the entire defense, is is playing a lot better. Matt Milano's back healthy. A.J. Klein's game is vastly improved. They've got Tremaine Edmonds back healthy and trusting the guys next to him. So the linebacker core is playing really well. The defensive line is being efficient. The cornerbacks are really, really playing well. Uh, Levi Wallace had a bounce-back game. Josh Norman played okay when he was in there. Tredavious White has been on fire recently. The safeties have always been good. I mean, this defense can really put them over the top. And for the first half of the season, you weren't quite sure what you were getting out of them, but they're playing a lot better over the last month. That game-clinching drive, and Sean McDermott, it was funny, he talked about this after the game and then again on Monday, so I was glad I put it in my takeaways. But the Bills got the ball back with 7 minutes and 11 seconds left in the game. And after a really nice gain on first down that was called back due to a holding call, it was first and 20 for the Bills with roughly 7 minutes left. And so they just marched down the field on a back breaking drive and we've seen it so many times the other way where another team can do that to the bills so to see the bills being able to do that to an opponent was so much fun to watch they got nine yards on first down a deep bomb fell incomplete so then josh allen lobs it to dawson knox on the quick release route and knox finds a whole bunch of yards after catch because the entire 
uh, secondary dropped back to cover the receivers that were going deep uh, to try and get past the sticks for their catch. And Knox was able to pick up the first down on third and uh, 11. We had four Zach Moss runs, an Allen quarterback sneak, a Moss run, an Allen bootleg, and a Moss run. And then they were in victory formation. They just kept chunking yards. And, and really, they wouldn't have even needed that last Moss run if Allen just goes to the sticks before he slides. So it was really, really well done by the Bills' offensive line and running backs to salt away the game. And it's important to note that it was Moss there at the end of the game. They weren't worried about him fumbling. Um, they sat him down from the vast majority of last game against the San Francisco 49ers after his fumble. But as soon as he's back in the lineup the next week, they trusted him in the biggest moment of the game. So that was really nice to see, too. The first quarter was ugly. I mean, it was 0-0 zero to zero at the end. There was, only, there was less than 100 yards uh, total between the two teams. Josh Allen was 4 of 10, 0 of 2 on third downs for the Bills. Um, there were seven punts between the two teams. It was bad. It really did pick up after that, especially with the Bills offense. But it was like that ugly kind of smash mouth. It wasn't even smash mouth. It was just ugly football. The Steelers were dropping the football. Nothing was going right for either team, or neither offense, I should say. And then finally, um, Dawson Knox. Um, he did have that nice third down pickup on um, the dump off where with the yards after the catch, but the guy is just too inconsistent to be considered the answer in Buffalo. The Bills are going to have to add a tight end this offseason with Tyler Croft being a free agent. Um, that doesn't mean Knox can't develop into a tight end down the line. Um, tight end is a notoriously long developing position. So if he does develop you know, between year two and year three, that would be great. But he, he can't be the guy you're counting on to be your every down tight end because he drops too many passes and uh, makes too many mistakes. Uh, in this game, it was a drop, and he had another one where he did catch it, turned, and immediately fumbled after getting hit on the ball, and then he batted it up into the air uh, for the Steelers to take and grab. So it it surprises me every week when Tyler Croft is inactive, but I think it's because they're trying to get a bead on what Knox can actually do to see if they can count on him going into the future as opposed to having to add a guy. But I'm calling it now they have to add a guy. I'm not calling that Knox is a bust. Um, you know, as a third-round pick, you're like 50-50 chance to be a um, an impact player in the NFL, which is a, still a pretty good chance, and I still think he can make an impact. But I don't think he's the guy I want to count on every down, every week of every season. So they need to add somebody um, back into the lineup. Maybe it's Tyler Croft re-signing. Maybe it's somebody else, but they need to have another option at tight end. And it stinks that I have to end my takeaways on that negative piece because there were so many positives to take away from the game. When we come back from this quick break, um, I'll break down the playoff scenarios right now and answer your fan questions. So don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back. With their win on Sunday night, the Buffalo Bills have moved one game back from the number two seed in the AFC. And that's important because, I mean, first of all, they would host at least the the first two rounds of the playoffs. They'd host wildcard weekend and divisional round. So, I mean, without Bills fans in the stands, it's, you know, is what it is. But, you know, they wouldn't have to face the Chiefs until at least the AFC championship game. And so 
all of that is positive. We want the Bills to be the two seed um, instead of, say, the three seed and having to go to Pittsburgh for a divisional round matchup. The Bills are one game back, but the Steelers have games against the Indianapolis Colts and Cleveland Browns, who have both been playing extremely well down the stretch. So if the Bills can win out and the Steelers lose one of those games, the Bills are the two seed at worst. It's highly unlikely that the Bills can get to the one seed. Uh, Pretty much guarantees the Chiefs would have to lose three games and the Bills would have to win their last three games. Um, There are a couple scenarios where there's a three-way tie between the Chiefs, Steelers, and Bills where the Bills can be the one seed, but I mean, it's it's a long shot right now. So it's much more likely that the Bills get the two seed and then they are able to face off against the number seven seed in the AFC. So let's take a look at the rest of that. If the Bills win this Saturday against the Denver Broncos, they clinch the AFC East. Um, they can also clinch if the Dolphins lose any game from here on out or if they win any game from here on out. So it's I think it's like a 99% chance on 538 that the Bills are going to be the AFC East champs. So let's look at the um, wildcard teams as of right now. The Colts are tied with the Titans right now in the AFC South. So the Titans have the tiebreaker on them. Again, that's another reason the Bills don't want to lose a game. With the Titans one game back, if the Bills lose and the Titans win, the Titans are actually going to pass the Bills, and Buffalo will go from being right on the cusp of that number two seed to all the way back as the four seed, and then they're traveling on divisional round weekend and the AFC Championship weekend and could have to face the Chiefs in the divisional round, which is not something you really want to do if you're the Bills. So it's super important that the Bills keep winning and going up the standings or at least stay where they are. Um, The Browns are two games behind the Steelers right now because they lost on Monday Night Football. If they had won, that would have been a much more intriguing matchup to look at. The Steelers, like I said, could still lose two games. They could lose to the Browns and they could lose to the uh, Colts, which could make it interesting. Uh, Coming down the stretch, the Browns play the New York Giants and the New York Jets in addition to the Steelers. So, I mean, they very well could be sitting at 11-4 and heading into the final week of the season, going up against the Steelers at uh, 12 and three, and so that game could be for the AFC um, North Championship. So that could be really interesting. Um, and then finally, that last wild card spot is wa- keeps waffling between the Ravens and the Dolphins, with the Raiders thrown in there. Uh, it's just very interesting. The Ravens win last night on Monday Night Football, moves them to eight and five. The Dolphins are in the lead in that race right now because they have a better conference record at five and four than the Ravens do at five and five. So the Dolphins are definitely going to have something to play for in week 17 unless they lose their next two games. So it'll be very interesting coming down the stretch for the Dolphins too, who weren't really expected to be this competitive in, uh, in 2020. And then the Raiders sit one game back at seven and six. The Patriots at six and seven are pretty much out of it. They would need Um, a lot of teams in front of them to lose. Um, The Bills officially eliminated them from the AFC East division race on Sunday night with their win. So it marks the first time since I think it's 2002 that the the Patriots won't be tied for the division lead at the end of the season. And it'll be the first time in 11 years that the Patriots don't win the AFC East. The two times between 2002 and 2020, that the Patriots weren't the AFC East champs were on tiebreakers. They still had this best record in the division. So for the first time, and I think it's 18 years, 
the Patriots aren't going to have the best record in the division when all is said and done. And that's just an astounding run from them. Uh, so that's a quick breakdown of the AFC playoff picture right now. Let's get to your questions. Jack asks us, which playoff matchup scares you the most? Mine is the Browns because of their very good run game. And it's going to be a home playoff game, probably in the snow. Well, Jack, I mean, it's the Chiefs. If you're talking about the entire playoffs, I want to avoid the Chiefs as long as I can because they can score on any play. They can, they've proven they can run the ball. Um, they just they can beat you so many different ways. And so the Chiefs are the ones that scare me the most. If you're talking about just wild card weekend, the Browns are definitely a scary team, but they don't really have experience on their side or consistency on their side. They can play a really great game and they can lay an egg. And so I don't necessarily think that they're going to be like able to come in and dominate a Buffalo Bills team, even if they run the ball a ton. The, you know, you saw what Josh Allen was like in his first playoff game. Baker Mayfield can play a little bit fast and loose like that as well. You know, the Bills are going to be a seasoned veteran team, and the Browns haven't been there in just as long as the Bills playoff drought was, 17 years. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays into it with a young head coach and, you know, a young core group of players who haven't been there yet. And that's one of the reasons why the Colts scare me a little bit. They've got a very excellent defense. They've got a quarterback who's been there, done that, seen playoff football. They've got Frank Reich, who has obviously been there and done that in a multitude of ways and has a wealth of experience both as a coach and as a player in the playoffs. So I think the Colts scare me a lot. Their offense isn't as good as uh, Cleveland's is, but or as scary as Cleveland's is to me. But they have that playoff experience that the Browns are clearly lacking. So um, I'll, I'll go with them. I would rather play, say, the Dolphins in the in the wild card round. Um, they're a team that I would really like not be worried about at all. And again, that's why I want to get to that number two seed so badly, so that they can play... Um, a Dolphins team sneaking into the playoffs or a Raiders team sneaking into the playoffs or even a, a Ravens team that is um, seasoned for sure but uh, very limited in 2020. Thanks, Jack, for that question over on Twitter at Rumlings Q&A. Old pal B Mormon 2020 says, which statement is closest to the truth? The Bills' run defense is finding itself or the Steelers' running game just is terrible? I think the Bills' run defense is finding itself. I think the Bills' defense as a whole is finding itself. Um, the Steelers' running game does stink, but let's look at the Bills' running stats on defense over the last few weeks. Since the bye, the Bills have given up 47 rushing yards to the Steelers, 86 rushing yards to the 49ers, and 76 rushing yards to the Los Angeles Chargers. James Conner was held to 1.8 yards per attempt, Jalen Samuels was under four yards per attempt, and Benny Snell Jr. was just over four yards per attempt. So they were able to really hone in on the Steelers on Sunday night. And outside of that first drive by the San Francisco 49ers, the Bills were really able to uh, stop San Francisco in the running game as well. So I think if you just keep looking at what they've done since the bye, since the Arizona Cardinals really did a nice number on them, uh, specifically with Kyler Murray, you know, the 
the run defense is really starting to buckle down, and really the defense as a whole is starting to buckle down. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so optimistic. We've seen the offense put together some great games this year. If that defense can can really like round into form, like we talked about in the takeaways, there's no team in the NFL that can beat them. Um, if they play like they've been playing the last couple weeks, I mean, you can see them beating every team in the league. And it's been a long, long time since we said that. It's not a fluke. It's not they would need five turnovers or the ball bouncing their way. Like the Bills could legitimately beat any team in the league if they play up to their potential. And that is just so, so much fun to say. The Buffalo Bills go for the AFC East division crown this Saturday at 4.30 Eastern against the Denver Broncos in a nationally televised game. I'm sure it's going to be talked about a lot But, you know, it's been 25 years since the Bills won the AFC East. And, I mean, I'm here for it. Let's go. Thanks for your questions this week. As always, you can send in those questions at 716-508-0405. You can leave a voicemail or text that number, 716-508-0405. You can email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can send us tweets at rumblingsqna with the word and spelled out in the middle. Facebook and Instagram messages will get to us as well. Just like Josh Allen says on NBC, go Bills. Thank you.